The Thrivecast is sponsored by Intuit. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to helping accounting professionals save time and grow their practice. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor program, you can truly boost your efficiencies, collaborate with clients, and play a pivotal role in fueling their success. Follow the link in the show notes to find out more. Talking and we're ready to get down to business. I know, about I know, podcast, man. We're we're like chit chatting about we're virtual like, no. team performance. Yeah, Let's hit record, man. This is this is gold, and we're not even getting it on. We're not even getting it on the the pod world for people to pod. <laughs> so this is going to be about virtual teams. But before we do that, we just want to remind you guys. God, the community is growing and thriving. People are just loving and hugging one another as they're going through stuff and growing and dealing with pandemics that won't end it won't oh my gosh it won't end and so uh, we just want to let you know that thrival's out there for you if you want to join hit thrival.com go to info at thrival.com mm-hmm. uh you can do that yeah because there's uh thrival members we the, because of the pandemic we put together happy hours round tables master classes all these stuff they're yes. there for thrival members that's part of your membership is being able to to tap into all that stuff and just the community groups and all that stuff that's in thrival so come on get in there make that happen you need you need it and and because you can't go what you can't go to the chamber of commerce anymore because those were <laughs> Because that's right. what people is that what people even does that even a I thing? don't know if they I do that okay but, but thrival is where you can go and then just one other announcement we want to make is if you need even more care like a three day boot camp to mm-hmm. jump start the growth of your firm we do that Julie my partner and I we've been doing that for years and it's called the Thrival Incubator and you can go to thrival.com slash incubator and we got sessions in May and July now those are those used to be live in person now they're live virtual in a studio right super super fun and gr- just a lot of work okay now and tell me answer this question for me because uh there's still like with that the, you guys set it up virtually where it's still lots of communication it's not like yeah, it's not like someone's just going to like a, a you know, three day webinar. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's, well, it's that's a every, great point. Yeah, because everything you do is participate. I, I mean, that's sort of a rhetorical question because I know that that's not your style to yeah. just go, "Hey, everybody, sit down, shut up. I don't want to hear anything <laughs> from, from you, Jeffrey." Okay, <laughs> here's my knowledge. Soak it in. So, <laughs> oh, so no, we have. So we even kick off the incubator with a welcome reception to get to know everybody. And then we do teaching for like an hour and then we do homework for an hour. And so we flip on and off three days straight Mm -hmm. teaching work and we're pushing people into breakout rooms. They're growing together. Uh, Julie and I will jump in and coach some. Uh, So no, it is super interactive. So you're going to get to know that group, even virtually the way we build uh, these sessions. And so when you learn in a group like that, you come away learning even more from the content because you are with other people who care. So dude, that's, that's, uh, you know, back in a prior uh, era when we had live deeper weekends is yeah. that was, that's the thing I always told people if they were like thinking about coming, it's like, dude, the, the content of the, of deeper weekend is great, but just being around 
really smart, very engaged, very driven people who are yeah. doing the same thing that you're doing, you're going to learn as much or more from just the other attendees oh, yeah. as you do from the, the thing. So, um, yeah. And like I said, I wouldn't, I'd expect everything at Thrival. That's kind of, that's kind of the Thrival ethos there. Ethos, to throw out bro, a, a new bro. word that I learned on a calendar. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, let's dive in. Virtual team performance. Virtual. This is huge, man, what people are going through. Right, because, and we were talking about this a little bit before we got on the mics for the podcast, is that there's, I'm going to say that there's two types of people in the world right now. There are, there are people, (laughs) there's people who are virtual firms because they intended to be virtual firms. And then there's people who are virtual firms because they were forced to be virtual firms because of what's going on. And either way, I, I just, and I'm assuming this is true because you're, you're one of the firms that's virtual by choice, yeah. not by, you know, dir- right. not by circumstance. Right. Uh, and, and when, when you go from, uh, from having a traditional firm where you're seeing your staff every day, you're in the same space more or less on a regular basis to go into virtual, it's like trying to drive a car with your eyes closed. Is that, yeah. is that a good, I, yeah, is that a no. good description? No, that's a yeah, that's good. That is good because when you go to the office and you see people and you interact in a certain way, virtually everything disappears and so you're still interacting through your fingers by typing or mm-hmm. by talking maybe over Zoom. And so, yeah, yeah, you you don't know what any of your team are doing anymore. Now, right. there are ways to to know, but most of the time you don't know. Okay, so very first question is do you, because you said now you no longer know what any of your team is doing. Is it really that you just never knew what they were doing? And, but you just, you just were able to trick yourself into believing that you did <laughs> no, because, no, I, no. because they're close by, because I, <laughs> I swear that's like a psychological thing. It's like, I, 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 I see so-and-so at their station. They must be working. They may, they may be shopping. Well, uh, I no, <laughs> no, it's when you're together, there's so nuanced, there's so much nuance. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you lead a team, you're like, you, you see them and you're like, you know, they're working or, you know, they're kind of screwing around or whatever. Right. You kind of know when you're together, but yeah. when you're virtual, right. you okay. need systems to know all that. You can't right. just know anything. You need a system, a pre-planned system to know anything basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's a here's another. I, I, I'm interested. To, I mean, just real quick. This is this is slightly tangential, but I've seen I've seen different studies, and, and this basically goes back to some of the ethics uh, classes that I teach, where people people are more more ethical when they're being watched. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and you see all these uh, studies people have done, not just in terms of ethics, but in terms of performance in general, like, yeah. like if you've got, if you said like, they've done the, these studies where you send somebody to go work out. I think we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, you send yeah. somebody to go work out by themselves and, <laughs> and, and you kind of monitor what they do. And then you just put one other person in the room with them and you go all of a sudden they're working out way harder than they did when they were by there. So, and, and then they also were like, put one other person of the opposite sex in the room. And all of a sudden they're like, they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm doing what? Just a thousand burpees today. That's all just a thousand. You well, know? The, but that's the, that's the accountability that people bring. And so, right. And, and that, it, that's but, a good thing. Yeah. But it's gone. 
that's what I'm saying is that that's that there's something about that physical presence that they can actually study that that in a virtual firm that's gone. So that's right. So your so that performance that's there just because other people are around that's going to be hampered by that's being, right by being separate physically. That's right. And so eight years ago when we went virtual, we didn't really know those things, and so we we had to figure out we have to put these things in place actually. So culture becomes much more purposeful in a virtual firm. I mean, it, you, you can't, so everybody has a culture. We know that, but you can get the nuance of culture in an office. You kind of figure out the vibe, right? But Mm -hmm. virtually you have to plan all of that. And so, you know, so a lot of the things we wanted to talk about in this really are the tips and tricks, right? Of how to do this, how to actually be, would you say a lot of this is how do you be purposeful about being virtual? Yes. Yeah. I think, and I think that's one of the things is that we, with any endeavor that you're taking on, when you've been in that context before, you can fake it. Yeah. It, it, does that make sense? Like, yeah. like, like, at, like I, I used to be a, a, a teacher, a middle, a middle school math teacher. Yeah. And despite all my training, I still would have been, I would have been able to figure it out because I was a middle school student and I, I was, I went to school for yeah. a whole long time. Right. So I knew how school worked. Right. So it's the same kind of thing. If you were in a traditional firm, you're going to know how traditional firm stuff works, but it, so few of us grew up, if any, in a virtual firm. That's right. So we can't fake it. We can't That's just, right. we can't just feel our way through it. Like we could with just running a regular where you go, Oh, this is what they did to me. And now I'll just do this. That's right. I'm so, in that position now. Not, and yeah. yeah. So there are, there are tips and things. And, and here's, here's what I would say. So working oh. on working on, and I, and I know we're talking about really virtual team performance, but I would say one of the greatest things we've learned, and there's a lot of things we've learned, you know, about building a purposeful culture. One of the greatest things we've learned is how to capture and monitor the context of conversations. Yeah. And so, so here's what happens is when it, in a, a brick and mortar firm, a physical firm, you get the nuance again, that vibe of what you're passing back and forth, but in virtual it it automatically becomes asynchronous, right? And we're, we yeah. can define that term, but it becomes asynchronous. So it's a lot of written stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get those vibes. And so what we've had to learn and teach our team, actually, we spend time teaching our team how to write emails, right. when, to, when to pull a conversation from written inside of our, our chat system huh. to a call. That's a, okay. that's a, that's a, task, that's something you got to learn. It takes yeah. time to go, hey, listen, it's time to flip this conversation to a phone call. And right. you don't often know that automatically, but it's a skill you learn. Huh. So yeah, we yeah, have to yeah. teach that. I mean, teaching how to write emails, you know, and then teaching how to come to a meeting and how to bring an agenda and why. And then we have to teach how to take notes. Huh? Yes. Okay. okay. There's two, there's tons to unpack there. So, so real quick. So, uh, because obviously communication, communication is huge, really in any firm, but, but all of a sudden, like you said, we're, we're, it's like constrained. It's hugely constrained in a virtual firm. So when you're talking about it, so, so I want to go through just some, like you said, tips and tricks. What, what's one of the things you tell when you're teaching your team how to write an effective email? Mm. What, I mean, I think everybody's going to assume I know how to, I know how to write a damn email. Yeah. Email's been around for, you know, 
decades. But that, that, what, so, so, what, so what's missing? What, what do you tell people? Can you yeah. give us a nugget? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so, but again, just the, just to say out loud, teaching somebody to write an email is being very purposeful about the brand you want to portray to clients through your firm. So that's how purposeful we are. Okay. And, and we care about that because we're an advisory uh, well-known firm. We don't, we don't get to do uh, what we want. They don't get to write emails the way they want. Not even Julie and I get to. Wait, it so is, you're talking, you're not talking, are you talking internal emails? Or are you talking external emails? External emails to Send clients. Sending out to client. Oh, I thought you yeah. meant, but that make okay, I'm a dummy. Well, no, no, no. But I'm, here, okay, let me say what I think I thought you, you thought I meant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you thought I was talking about the team writing emails to one another. Right. Okay, but now here, well, there's a point there because we did that for the first year. And we uh, learned you can't build a culture on email with team. What you have to do is have a chat system. That's where your office goes. Okay. Your com- your communications go to a place you can document and tag, upload things, and actually do the work of communication between teams, which is more intimate. Okay. It, now, and then clients... You do you do emails to people outside of the firm, but gotcha. the inside the firm, we've realized, and I think a lot of people realize this: you do not email team. You can't you can't manage communications. the The nuance is even way harder. There yeah. is none because because an email is understood to be communication of facts back and forth. Uh-huh. And so, no, when we're teaching teams to write emails, we're teaching them to write external emails to clients. Here's how we right. do it. Gotcha. And everybody does it different because they all have different habits. Right. Okay. Gotcha. So you're talking specifically because if you're virtual, you're also virtual to your clients. You're not meeting face-to-face with the client. Correct. So everything you were saying, even with a client, you're going, okay, what's the trigger with this client to go, okay, we're emailing. Now, all of a sudden, I need to have a Zoom with my client. Right. If, yeah. Is if that, the email's not working. Yeah. If the email's not, if the, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, the, gotcha. but, you know, and probably people will understand this, but basically, you know, the construction of an email is basically not too many technical conversations in one email, separate them in emails. <laughs> right. The subject only, line is super important. Only reference at most one section directly from the IRC. So section 240, section one night. If if you say section 199A more than once in an email, you're you're fired. Get pack up your pack up your crap and get out of our virtual office because that's not how we do it here. That's right. That's right. So you have to so you have to tell the clients everything you're trying to communicate in the email. So when right. you don't group too much text together, you separate it by paragraphs. You you put section headers at the top of paragraphs. You bold those. One yeah. team member, our client services manager, she's so good at it. She color codes her emails, and we we teach <laughs> we we say go teach that person how to do it. And even in our virtual. What we do a lot, and our our leadership team does this with our team too, we say, form a draft of that email here in our chat system and let us all review it. We'll have two or three people. And that's a very common thing we do probably once or twice a week. And those are on complex issues. Um, Julie and I do that all the time, right? I'm writing very particular emails all the time, and they always need to be reviewed. So emails... Mm -hmm 
are so personal to people, they kind of need to not be personal and they need to more represent the brand and the firm than they do right. the person's own peculiarities, I guess. Yeah. So do you give them, do you give specific language that they got to use in the email? Like how to address the client, how to sign off from the client? Like, like I'm thinking like, what, isn't it Chick-fil-A that they always yeah. are like, are like yeah. my pleasure. Aren't they supposed to say my pleasure yeah. or something yeah. like that? Yeah. Well, and so th- this is funny. <laughs> this is funny. We, when we bring a new team member on, we talk about the service sandwich. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the service sandwich is how we communicate. And it's okay. basically, it's a, it's a, you always, the top part of the sandwich is an introduction to the client, which is. And then you cram all the bologna in the middle. Right. Woo! That was a good dad joke right there. The bologna. <laughs> That's right. You, the top uh, part of the bun is. How are you doing? How was your weekend? It's a nicety that you put as the top okay. part of the sandwich. The right. meat of what you want to say is inside the sandwich. Uh-huh. And then you always cap it off with another piece of bread, which uh-huh. is part right. of the service, which is, right. hey, we we our firm likes to say we love to serve you. We like yeah, to yeah, end yeah. emails that way. So if we ever see a team member, and we we rarely do go just like, yeah, it's box nine. Thanks. We're like, ah, uh, 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 uh. like you. That's bad news. We're gonna like yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah. We don't. We don't write emails like that. We don't right. say things like that. Right. We take the time, and when we teach our team to take on the responsibility of pouring the context that the client needs into the email, like that's a pain for us, right? To just write all that crap out. Why can't we say, mm. yeah, it's box five. Yeah. Yeah, that goes in box five. Right. We don't uh uh-uh. we go, hey man, thanks. Uh, that's a great question. We appreciate you uh emailing us and letting us serve you. Um, yeah, hey, this great question on where you code that, you know, just it matters, just so you know, client. So where you code it is gonna get it taxed in a different way. So what we always suggest to our clients is you put that in box five, and we've seen a lot of value. We add that stuff mm-hmm. and then we end. Thanks for letting us, you know, thanks for trusting us to be able to answer that question for you. Yeah. And so you, like a lot of people listening could go, well, that's a pain in the butt. It's Well, that's right. We take the pain in the butt context work onto our own shoulders so that the client gets to answer. Yeah, box nine. Thanks. Uh, they yeah. can do that. But they feel a consistency of communication from our team right? because we all are seeking to communicate in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very purposeful. And it takes work. How many? So how? So with a so on a particular client, how many people within your firm are they going to get emails from? Oh, could be three or four. Okay, so they're yeah, gonna so they're gonna lot, get the same lot. feel. Yes, it's not going to be the same words. It's not going to be the same voice, but it's going to be no. the same feel coming from everybody at, at Blummer CPAs when you get an email communication from your the firm. That's, that's right. Taking yeah, care of you. and that yeah, and that's because you know in an advisory firm. You, you, it's so collaborative to pull off such deep advisory services. Gotcha. You need a team. And so yeah. you have yeah, yeah. to push a team together. So that client is going to interface with multiple people. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, just and by that's design. Part of why, and that's part of why you need that consistency. That's right. Right. Okay. Cause it, gotcha. it represents the brand of how we communicate. Now, this is a big deal since we're virtual. Now, if we were in an office, we could go, Hey guys, gather around real quick. Um, y'all's emails are, they suck. And so let's stop. <laughs> but don't don't do that anymore, right? Uh, like they suck bad. Uh-huh. And so we would just do a little quick pep talk. We don't uh-huh. have any of that, so we have to have 
plans and purposes to walk them through how to do that if we want to maintain a brand. Right. Gotcha. Um, okay. So anyway, we I'm, that's I'm huge. In, I, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to push it further. So now I'm one of your staff. When do I, what's the trigger? When am I not having a phone call? And later you're like, why the hell didn't you call the client? Is that, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Well, no, it's always a teaching point. So like what'll, what'll happen. I mean, yeah, I know, I know you're not like, you're not like calling up on the phone. Hey, kite, why the hell didn't you call that client? You're not like, you're not the, you're not the, whoever, who's Spider-Man's boss at the newspaper. (laughs) You're not, you're not like, Hey, Hey kite, I need a, I need pictures of the Spider-Man on my desk right now. Get to work. You lazy, you lazy. That's when he sounds like nobody except people our age would have ever heard that guy's voice <laughs> on a cartoon. Uh, Saturday mornings, yeah. right? We yep, heard that guy yep. yelling That's at us. Yelling Parker. at us. That's it. Parker. Parker. Yeah. Get so, in here. Yeah. <laughs> he had little white stripes on the side of his hair. His <laughs> hair was right. turning. Yep. Yep. That's it. Okay. Anyway, no, we don't do that. What's happening is uh, uh, a conversation on email gets pretty complex. Uh-huh. And we go, and so, we're always on it. Like Julie or our project manager are always on the emails. Now that's a key uh, right there. So just they're, they're copied. They're copied. They're copied. Yeah. Okay, so now gotcha. let me, let me just say that. So there's the protection of the context of communication is that mm-hmm. there's nobody alone communicating. We're all watching everything together. Now yeah. our team knows that's not big brother. They know we are there to support and help them. And when things, when clients start getting touchy, we're like, hey, we're stepping in inside of our chat system going, hey, what can we do to help? Because it seems like they're going off. But we'll see emails. And sometimes the leadership team or Julie and I will pull in the team and go, hey, guys, that email is getting a little a little off base. Uh, we don't know what the client's thinking. We'll say, pop that email in here and let's work through it together. Okay. And we'll we'll take the time to go slowly through the development of that email because okay. the c- communication in virtual firms, people probably don't work on communication as much as they should, but it really can eliminate such confusion and drive some immense um, service. Yeah. And yeah so yeah. it sounds like a pain yeah. to do all this, but this is this, washing your clients through the context of proper purposeful communication changes how they perceive you, believe you, trust you pay you more money. It's all based upon right. how you communicate in a virtual right. way. Do you, okay. So a couple questions on that. So it sounds like a lot of that sort of stuff is even like client experience. And we've talked about, I yes. mean, we had, oh, what's his, we had what's his butt from the experience economy. <laughs> Pine, <laughs> right. somebody, Pine, Joe Pine. Is that the guy's yeah, name? And, yeah. and, uh, what's his butt? I think it's his name. <laughs> what's his butt. And he, uh, <laughs> And, and like, you probably got, I, I assume that there's probably stuff happens where people are like, oh my gosh, people have never taken this kind of care of me at yeah, other firms. I just right. send them my stuff. It's a black box. And then eventually right. they go, you're good. And that's the end of the, yeah. the thing. This is yeah. probably a whole lot more caring. That's how you do show people your value. Right. Yeah, right. And, but yeah, this business model is more expensive too. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, so, it sounds like it. Right. Because, because if you're reading every email, I mean, I assume you don't read every email you're copying no, or do no, no, yeah. No. But you've got access to it if you need to go back yeah. to it. Okay. That sort well, of stuff. So and then well, helping people craft emails, that's time and that's labor intensive. That's gonna Right. But that's part the of the training that really drives success in in being virtual. And you know, it's it's also expensive because 
you you start putting in roles into your firm like project manager roles, right? That are right, right, they're right. not necessarily revenue producing. They're just movement oriented, right? They're right. culture and movement oriented, right? And that just costs money to your business yeah. model. So you got to uh, charge more, but but it doesn't. That's the whole. I've been I've been I've been digging back into this whole like uh, you know why people rely on timesheets like even if they're charging fixed prices they'll still make their people fill out timesheets to like uh to manage them and i go yeah it's it's bull crap you don't know you need everybody needs a project manager because we're that because at the end of the day that's what we're doing we're doing projects right and if you're not managing that then you're just you're just See to your pants, crossing your fingers, hoping things get done, yelling yep. at people because it's like, this is, hey, Parker, where's, <laughs> where's, right. that tax, where's that tax return? Why is it taking you so long? So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, so what we're talking about is we're talking a lot about communication. I think that's key to virtual team performance. Now, I think there were some, you know, some other points we had in here in our notes yeah. were really good, which is really, being purposeful around setting goals. Yes. And I want to, is that, and, 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 uh, our producer dropped a little nugget in our, in our, in our notes that we use about you guys at your firm using Gantt charts. Yeah. And I swear I've learned what Gantt charts are, but I cannot (laughs) for the life of me remember at this point, I cannot recall what a Gantt chart is. Is that part, that's part of your goals? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's part of how we walk clients and our team through big projects. Like okay. for we'll get a client, we'll sell them a big project that's going to take three months. There's some discovery, uh, there's building processes, there's implement, implementing a new piece of software, then there's a kickoff meeting, and then we go live with that client software internally in their company. And there's so many moving parts. If you don't visualize the movement of all that over a three to six month period, the client gets lost. They start okay. to receive poor service or their perception is of poor service because they, they're not clear. They're confused. They can't put it all together. So what we do is we Gantt chart it to connect all the dots. And a Gantt chart is basically this. Uh, you can get a spreadsheet and you can put the months or the weeks. We normally use weeks across the top, right? So okay. weeks across the top. Okay. And then down the left-hand side, you're putting the steps in the project. All right. Okay. Have a kickoff meeting. Have a discovery meeting. We go do this. We build our process. And then what you do is what's in the guts of the spreadsheet, you see colored bars that span the weeks, right? So the first step is the first thing you do. So you see colored bars that span the first four weeks, say. Gotcha. Okay. And then I the see. next step may overlap with that one. Okay. It's a it's a row down and it might be a green bar, but it's offset yeah. to the right a little bit because it goes past that first four weeks, but yeah, does yeah, yeah. overlap. Okay. And then we assign each one. Yeah each bar to a team member or a client. And so what we do is we lead the client. Like when we do the kickoff of the project, we go, here's your Gantt chart. And they're like, oh my gosh, I see where I'm going. I see where you're taking me. And you know where this came from? Uh, Gantt? Mr. Gantt? No, he can't. The reason we do (laughs) Mr. Gantt, does he do it? Uh, It came from feedback from the client. 
right? Uh-huh. Like we would three months, we always check in with a client. We, yeah, we yeah. onboard a client three months later, we check in and we go, right. how did we do onboarding you? What advice would you give us to do this better? And so we always, it's called a wowza meeting. That's what we call it. for wow, it's, Wowza? <laughs> yeah, it's a wowza. And wowza. It's that, that's an acronym of things. But anyway, that's okay. a side. But the client goes, well, that was such a big project and multiple people were in it. I didn't know where we were. Were we far enough? Did, should I have bugged you or were you about to right. email oh, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And the not knowing is really, it diminishes service from an advisory firm in a huge way. Yeah. Oh, and that's, dude, that's so true. I mean, I'll tell you what, now I, I guess I, I don't, it's not something that I've had personally. No, no, no. It's no, it's a hundred percent. It works with my, uh, even with professional services, I work a lot with contractors where I'm like, here's the job that I need you to do at my building. And then I have to, I have to proactively go and say, where are we at with that? It seems like we're stalled. What's going on? What's happening? Right. And I just don't know the contractor business. And I, and I have, I have to do that. And I get a little pissy because I'm going, I know how big of a check I'm writing to you. I shouldn't have to be listen. the one who's following up with you. I have to do it with my attorney too. And listen. that drives me a bats where I'm like, I need these documents by this time. Right. And then I have to call them and say, am I going to get them on time? See, and, if, it, and if, I, if they had led the relationship with you with a Gantt chart, uh-huh. you would have been so comfortable. You would have perceived a higher value in their service and they, they should have charged more if they're spending yeah. the time to build that. Now, here's right. a phrase, what you're saying is a phrase in our firm. Now, this is internally. We say clients don't project manage us. We project manage ourselves. Clients should never be project managing a, a professional advisor, mm-hmm. a service right. provider yeah. ever. You, you should uh, ever. Uh, you it's, shouldn't have to. See, project it's frustrating, manage. isn't it? You shouldn't have to project if you're. If I'm paying somebody to do a job that I can't do, I I don't want to have to project manage them at all. But I've realized. That over time, that doesn't matter what I'm doing, whether it's a, a work thing, whether it's something at my house. I got this yeah. landscape guy. Listen, yeah. can I tell you about this landscape guy? <laughs> I, I was same, supposed same. to have a concrete curbing board in the front of my house in September. Guess who still doesn't have a concrete curbing? And me. Right. And I and I just had to email him again going, it's warm enough now. I think we can maybe start looking at putting this on the calendar. He should have come to me and said, hey, listen, it's getting right. warm enough now. Here's when we're going to do that. That's why. And you know what? Do you know how much this concrete curb affects my life? Not at all. But I'm still worked up about it like crazy. Jason. Well, it's on your mind. It's on your list. It never goes away, right? I, I, w- I want it. And I don't know if it's going to happen if I don't, if I'm not the, if I'm not the squeaky wheel. Right. And that's and and that and I'd rather not work like that. It's well, it's a pain in the butt. This, you know what? Firms work that way a lot of times, and, and it is yeah. more hurtful to their clients than but, they even realize. Now, here right. this happens even more. Go into tax season for a traditional tax firm. Mm-hmm. They ignore the crap out of the client, and the clients like <laughs> they perceive what our firms are during tax season as black holes. They're like, here's my files. I doubt Mm -hmm. I'll ever see these again. I don't know what y'all do in there, Mm -hmm. but I have to keep harassing you to know is my return. Is it on a list? Is it on a desk? Have y'all forgotten it? Do you love me? I gave Mm -hmm. you money. I don't know anything about your life. And they're Uh, just so eaten up with unclarity. Is that a word? 
<laughs> yeah, they are eaten up with unclarity. That's that's it. Um, that's really? actually the that's the that's the title of my novel that's coming out. It's called Eaten with Unclarity. Um, it's actually a it's kind of a travel food book. Um, but uh, Gantt charts. So basically, what we're saying with Gantt charts is they're serving two purposes. One, that's your that's a huge project management tool in inside yeah. your firm. Oh yeah. But then you're, but then you're basically pulling down your project management pants for your client and saying, this is what we're doing for you. And this is what you can expect on a week by week basis. Right. <laughs> you, we say it differently. The, uh, well, They're you pull down our project manager. You should pants. say, Hey, listen, we're going to pull down our project manager Gantz and you're going to take a ganter at what we're doing. See, we're showing it all. Yeah. That's, now, that's here, what it is. Let me okay, I know we're almost done, but let me let me just say one thing about this. <laughs> I'm gonna pull up my project management Gantz and then uh-huh. say something clear. I hope everybody gets, <laughs> right? It's <laughs> project management Gantz. My like PMGs. You- <laughs> my PMGs. <laughs> so I'm pulling up my PMGs, and here's what I'm saying. This takes work, right? And and a lot of firms that are listening may go, that sounds like a pain in the butt. And you know what? It totally is a it, pain in the butt. But but I really, it's a, it's a pain in the butt, but it's also got to be refreshing. I, I think maybe I'm just uh, like projecting my own, how I like to work. I need <laughs> to know this exact stuff. And if it's not happening, if it's not part of what's going on within my company, I'm going to, I'm going to do something like that to make sure that well, things are happening. See, you're like that. You, you want that right you want that organ you're that's the kind i know you really well that's very very structured person very structured that's how you live your life you want your you feel comfortable when your life is structured in that way you Mm -hmm. you make to-do lists every day every day every day that's how you live your life so Mm -hmm. when a professional advisor comes to you and goes greg we'd love to work with you and now that's going to be 10 grand but we're going to do a kickoff meeting with you and we're going to show you how this whole project's going to do. I think what a lot of firm, professional firms fear is locking themselves down into mm. a predictable date by which they will finish that project. Huh. They want it to be open-ended so they can fluff around. But yeah. when you lock yourself into mm. a committed date, that committal to a client is your accountability to hold high service to them. Right. And you get to ask for more money in return for that kind of commitment. Right. But clients pay for surety and clarity. There's more right. money when you are sure with them about what they're going to get. That's yeah. why you, as the firm owner, have to lock yourself down into a Gantt chart or some kind of, here's how this is going to go the next month. Even Listen, even if it's you don't know. You have to give the client some sense of completion. Yeah. No. And you can you can move it around if you want, but Absolutely. lock yourself in and the client feels mm. such a comfort. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And that's how it works. All totally. Right. And and I and I don't think and yeah, we gotta go. And I know this is like uh it's not the way you don't have to do it this way, but but just just coming to mind too, is if you are offering different service levels to to clients That's like right. we've talked about. Yeah. One of the things could be like, well, if if you here's here's the top if you want top tier, you want to be super well taken care of, we're going to give you a locked in drop dead date. We're going to hit all of our dates for sure. If you'd like to pay a little bit less, here, sign this extension right now and we'll get to it there when we go. get to it. And that's right. and that's an easy that's a, right. you know where you can do both. 
It's like, here's a Gantt chart option. Here's a non-Gantt chart. <laughs> right. Here's where we pull our PMGs down. Yeah, here's, where here's, where, PMGs here's where we keep, on. yeah, P- PMGs, we'll keep those to ourselves. So, okay. So now we're going to get Brad on and he's going to talk about running virtual team. He runs a company that runs virtual teams, which is yeah. uh, virtual assistants, which is going to be super cool. Yeah. Awesome. And there's so many things I want to ask him. Let's yes. get Brad Stevens Brad. on this podcast. Stat Parker, Parker, where's Brad Stevens? <laughs> get Brad Stevens on the podcast now. Hey, hey, this is Jason Blummer, and we want to thank our sponsor, Build.com, a platform we've been using for many years to run our firm's own virtual AP and AR experience for our clients, too. And as is common with Build.com, they've raised the bar on AP innovation again, and they have a new AI-enabled platform. It offers a sweet new user experience. You'll see it's redesigned, easier to find buttons, more compact. And, of course, they got international payments. We love Bill.com. Bill.com, thanks for sponsoring the Thrivecast. Okay, Greg, so we're back. And we thankfully, we always have a great guest that can kind of help us clarify a bunch of the crap we said in the first 30 minutes. So that's really cool. Um, We have Brad Stevens and just a serial entrepreneur dude, CEO of Outsource Access, and built his virtual services firm over 200 staff in 18 months, which is crazy. Uh, and with a target of 500 plus staff in 2021 this year. So uh, kind of nutballs <laughs> what he's done. It's crazy. Yeah. And president of the Atlanta chapter of Entrepreneurial's Organization. A lot of people have heard of EO, and that's like a 200-member organization, so president of that. So, Brad, I, welcome to the show. I think you're going to be able to teach us some stuff today. Thanks for coming on the show, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, yeah. I'll be uh the virtual world is certainly uh, highly relevant more than ever these days with what we're dealing right. with. So uh, yeah. hopefully share some nuggets that people can take away. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, I think probably, you know, one of the biggest things we want to get into is the is our listeners are accounting firm owners all over Canada, U.S., really probably listeners all over the world uh, to the podcast. Um, and some of them uh, were not virtual, but they were forced to go virtual. And so some were virtual. So what's the difference between you got forced to do it or you made a purpose and intention to do it? Like, is one screwed and the other one okay? Like, <laughs> speak to the different ways you you roll into virtual and kind of what they're going to face right. as they do that. <laughs> I'll tell you, the starting point is it's really going to test how good your culture really is. Mm. You know, a lot of people got their culture, their mission, their values, what they stand for as a company. And it's a yeah. nice set of words that are on a wall or, you know, but uh, one of the biggest things I've seen is, um, I mean, I've, you know, with our company, I mean, I've had to launch on the other side of the world because of COVID. Mm. I couldn't go there, but one time, even before yeah. we launched our company um, and, and the, the culture aspect is what has kept when everybody's distributed, everybody's dealing with crises at home and yeah. you know, kids running underneath their feet and, and having to stay committed to the business is how committed are they to your company and how strong is your culture and purpose so that they're willing to go through all that and still dig in and stay um, with and deliver, you. you know, for the, for the firm. So I think yeah. it's put, it's put your values um, and your culture to a test of our people willing to make those changes and adjustments to, you know, kind of dig in from just a, uh, from a strategy, you know, standpoint uh, within an organization. Now, there's tactical elements to you know making that you know jump as well. And, and I think you know having 
I mean, process and systems is about the most unsexy, exciting thing for most entrepreneurs, right? It's like, oh, I want to sit down today and write a process. Yes, that's so fun. It is just, I I like bullet points and I like telling pieces and steps. Like I'd much rather do that than have nine shiny vision balls of things that I want. Oh, right. Right. Um, Right. Well, you know, that's, I'd say accountants are even less, you know, a traditional accountant at a traditional accounting firm is even less inclined to do that because you can't bill your time for developing right. the process. Right. So right. it's like, I'm not even making money right now. Why, what, what's the point of this? So, yeah. yeah, which, so we're, yeah, we're, we're, there's some like systemic stuff we're dealing with in our profession that would fight, fight against that. What, so when we're talking to, what are some of the things that you recommend people do, like in terms of culture, um, I mean, because it, it doesn't sound like we're talking about reinventing the wheel. It's like we're virtual now, so we're a whole new culture. Um, but it's more like adopting your culture and trying to pivot that or trying to trying to ground that or or like, you know, or, or making that sticky. I think that's is that one. Is that one of your words, Brad, for making a sticky culture? Um. I mean, if we're sticky, I mean, it, but I mean, it definitely applies. I mean, I think okay. I saw that when you guys were, were sharing, we were discussing the content for the show and yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's right. I mean, ultimately it's, it's about keeping people engaged in, in retention, you know, and that's yeah. obviously sticky and keeping them connected to your organization gotcha. and what you're about. So, um, so, I mean, I, I will say in terms of moving virtual and just the, the technical aspects of that and the technology that you use and, you know, that's very critical to be, to being successful. Um, the culture side is just from the soft side of the process. Yeah. That's very critical. It's people's mindset being in the right place. They're willing to do things differently because everybody's having to change and do everything differently in their life in the name of the company yeah. and moving things forward. Um, now, what are all those technical things that need to be done? Um, you know, or whether it's, I mean, one of the biggest things is, you know, web-based project management types of platforms, whether it's Asana, whether it's Basecamp, whether it's something, but just if companies didn't have that before, they're finding more than ever, they need to have a web-based platform for kind of workflows. It can be just a scattered collection of Google Docs in some cases, but uh, an organized <laughs> process. And one tactical tool I'll share, and I'll talk about the culture stuff, um, is, uh, is Screencast-O-Matic. One of the biggest things, anybody has heard me talk, I get a chance to speak on this stuff all over yeah. the world. And um, and it's especially when you're having to work virtually and you just want to unpack stuff out of your brain. Mm. Uh, it's a tool called screencast-o-matic.com. There's one called loom. Um, uh, yep. Loom is another one. Yep. But it lets you click a button, record whatever's on your screen. You click yep. a button, it saves a link, and the person can watch a video. Yep. It seems super simple, but that is a game-changing tool for communication in a virtual world where you, know, you just sent me something over and you don't have time to get on the phone and we don't have time to do a screen share. I can click, record it, then send you a video link, and it's me walking through that whole thing. Yep, gotcha. Um, so it's great gotcha. for internal communication yeah. and for sales too. Um, when huh. you send over, so many companies send over a PDF and say, "Hey, John, had a great conversation. See attached this thirty-two page PDF of my proposal. Let me know when we get on the phone and chat." <laughs> right? But if before you sent that over, you did a screencast video walkthrough of it and say, "Hey, yeah. John, see attached this proposal, but click here as I do a video walkthrough for you." I can't tell you how many companies I've recommended to do that, and the rate of acceleration to close yeah. is tremendous because they'll yeah. consume that video way faster than they'll read that PDF. Shoot, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are just a couple of tactical things. And yeah. yeah, well, and that and that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, if we're talking, I mean, from anything from like, uh, it, well, we before we got you on, we were we we just touched on the whole idea of asynchronous communication, where if you've got a virtual team, they might be spread out over multiple time zones and somebody in California is still asleep when somebody in New York is uh, having lunch. And so, so if you could do, if you could say, but, but 
it almost sounds like that gives you the feel of like, hey, come over here to my to my computer and I'll just show you how to do this. And you can basically do that same thing, but then drop it on them to where they can actually look at it when they when they're up. Yeah. So they can save it, you know, they can I mean, like in our business, you know, people want to have a VA start to plug in to do all kinds of work for their business. And so by yeah. doing the screencast recordings, then the VA saves those and basically yeah. creates a playbook of everything. So if for some reason they need to go back to a process a while back ago, and if you couple that, there's two great softwares, one called Trainual um, and another one's called Process Street that are web-based kind of workflow process platforms. Yeah. For people that don't want to have to go through that, you go through, it walks you through the process, and then you can just drop in screencast links, you know, as you're kind of going through those steps. Very so, cool. Um, so, so, Brad, so people know outsource uh, access, your company, and what you do is you basically, you create a virtual assistant team. Well, you have over 200 people now and mm-hmm. people hire your company that need a virtual assistant basically is what you do. Um, is that right? Did I, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. At a, at a high level, that's kind of, um, and it's, it's funny. I'm almost trying to change the word assistant because when people think virtual assistant, right, they think of a glorified person that could kind of virtually go get coffee for them. Right. Right. Um, but <laughs> unfortunately, that's, that's the, that's the vocabulary. Are. Yeah. Well, and they're assisting, but the perception of it, but it ends up being a much broader set of functions that a person can kind of do virtually um, from, you know, obviously financial related types of things, but marketing and operations and CRMs and yeah. We got one client that's a huge shoe manufacturer, and they have a manufacturing facilities all over China and Cambodia, and they have suppliers in the U.S. and they need VAs to kind of manage all the supply chain logistics and wow. communicate among all those parties. So they have two VAs that are doing nothing but managing that. So that's operation stuff, marketing stuff, design stuff. So it's su- super complex, varies. right? But to build that company, you build a culture of your VAs that work for you, basically, right. and and you're saying you couldn't go. Because uh, you have VAs probably all over the world that are part of your team. That uh, they're all based in the Philippines, actually. Oh, all in the Philippines. Okay, so <laughs> how do you build that culture? Certainly, there in a virtual place, you you do a lot of things uh, async, you know, asynchronously, I guess. But you do have Zoom meetings and things too. Like, what are yeah. what are some ways you you stay in touch and get in front of them in a computer? Or when do you know to use a computer, and when do you know to have a written? chats, uh, you know, in some kind of office chat system or something like that. How do you know how to communicate? Sure. Yeah. It's, um, so as you can imagine, I mean, I've got a, I've got a whole management team and we actually have a whole corporation in the Philippines, right? So we actually hired them as full-time employees that, nice. that, that work for us. Um, and I've got a chief operating officer, seven senior managers, head of operations, finance, HR. Um, and we have 30 total managers because we have team leads over every 15 to 20 VAs that we have. So oh, cool. you know, the key to it, um, is about building the right infrastructure and process. And maybe you guys know, I mean, Jim Collins, good to great is yeah. that book is my Bible. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I read it in my twenties, but then I reread it again in my forties yeah. running an organization. It's like, I read it for the first time and I'm like, right, this is the blueprint of exactly <laughs> how to build a great operation. Right. But one of those elements um, that touch back on what you guys asked earlier from a culture standpoint, is it truly, you know, one, one of the big negative stigmas that people have in working with these outsourced firms is they have high turnover, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times these companies yep. don't pay people well, yeah. they don't treat them well. Um, and so for me, um, in terms of our communication, you're asking tactically. So, you know, we, when we're working with clients, it all depends on what their particular communication vehicles are. You know, some of them use Zoom, some of you Microsoft meetings, what have you. So we kind of adopt whatever their kind of communication protocol is. As a company for us, like, I mean, we use EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. Yep. You guys are familiar with, we but know we run our, yep. 
Yep. Huge right. fan. We we rolled that well, out. Our actually. company's on that too. So <laughs> Oh, so you're very familiar. So we have our level yeah, 10 yeah. meetings uh, yep. on Monday. I had it yesterday, hour and a half. And so it's me on Zoom with all seven of our senior managers from the Philippines. Um, yep. And we go through and we run a level 10 90-minute meeting. And so that keeps us on, on target. We had an implementer there that actually helped us go through and do our quarterlies and, and set our kind of our plan. Um, but I tell you, the number one thing, if you guys remember uh, Frank Blake, who turned around Home Depot um, back in the day, was in a, in a mess. And one of the things he wrote an article about in Inc. was when it was one of the things you did that was most significant helping turn that around. He said, I wrote a hundred handwritten letters to frontline employees every mm. single week. Not every month, not every wow. year, but every wow. week. Wow. Yeah. And I tell you that, and I'd started doing something before I read that and that kind of solidified. But one of the things I do as CEO, and it's kind of counter to what most people think, is like, oh, once you're CEO, you're kind of just doing these high-level in the clouds visionary stuff. One of the most valuable things that I do. Um, is I spend several hours a week writing handwritten personal welcome messages to every single frontline virtual staff that, that, that mm. comes into our company. Nice. We're at 245 employees now. Yeah. And I go through, and so I use a, we use a platform called Lark, um, which is our kind of our chat platform. Yeah. And so I have a VA of mine that kind of lines up and says, here's the 22 new staff that we just hired. And I personally write a welcome message, tell them how much I appreciate it, how much I care about their personal development and growth. Um, and I even share with them a couple of books and podcasts because one of our core values is a yeah. long commitments to learning. Yeah. So nice. I share with them a couple of uh, summaries there. You would think that the response is unbelievable with that. Yeah. Um, and our, an EOS implementer one time presented to us and said that of all the employees they survey, 75% of them, right? It's about your 401k. It's about Razor scooters. It's about bean bags. <laughs> it's about being appreciated. Yeah. And just that matters more than anything. Yeah. And so sending those notes and getting to know them and know that I personally care about them, you know, and I'll circle back every two or three months, you know, pop in and just say, Hey, and then I have my managers send me directly. If they hear great feedback from a client of something that they've done, mm-hmm. I write a personal message to them. Hey, yeah. I just want you to know as a CEO, I'm, I'm recognizing this. Yeah. I cannot express aside from strategy. Peter Drucker had a great quote one time. Great management writer said culture, eat strategy for breakfast. Huh. And that is probably one of the most powerful things that, that I do as a CEO is making sure that I know our people are cared for and appreciated. Very cool. Now, so Brad, what, okay, that, those, that culture drives such care to people, truly when you do care about the team that, that works for you. Um, what about the team that leave? They don't get it. They don't buy in. And it's like, I mean, that kind of hurts your feelings, right? As a CEO that is visionary and you're, you're investing your life into these people and the company and they just, you're like, they're like, nah, you know, I'm I no. And they leave and it's like, we're awesome. Why are you leaving? I care about you. What do you do? Do you let them go or, or did you not bring in the right person or did you not onboard them properly? Like what happens when it doesn't, it doesn't stick? It's, it all starts at the beginning, you know, um, Another concept we use is four disciplines of execution. It's kind of an overlay I do over EOS, which is how we develop our goals. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you have in there is leading indicators and lag indicators, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and the lag, which is what you're talking about, is someone not being a fit or not yeah. getting it, right? The leading indicator of that is a very poor process to assess and set a high bar at the beginning. So what we do is we have very, very little of that um, because we set a very high bar at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um actually have, if you guys did the EOS process on if your implementer made me do kind of a company speech where mm-hmm. I recorded it on video, yeah. what our mission is, what our core values. I gave a specific mm-hmm. example of each one. Mm-hmm. So when people come to want to work as a VA for us in the Philippines, um, we do IQ testing, emotional intelligence testing, nice. um, 
We do a whole battery of 15 set of assessments. Then they have to watch my core value speech before they come to the interview and come with an example of how they've demonstrated each one of those and be prepared. Nice. And so if people aren't willing to do that, it's not a fit. That's, that's about setting that high bar. If you go back to good to great, Jim Collins, you know, the right people on the bus. And he said, the greatest companies, the 11 out of the 14,000 that they narrowed down that met those criteria is they cared about first who, then what, right? Don't care about where the bus is going. I just want the right people on it to begin with. You can take that group of people anywhere. Um, So that's kind of for me where it starts is at the very front end is setting a very high bar. And then you have very few, a smaller and smaller percentage where it doesn't end up working out because you were epically clear about expectations and alignment from the very, very beginning. You know, when it does happen, you know, occasionally, you know, first of all, we're going to dive into root cause. Where did we miss the mark? Was there some indicators here that helped us not be clear on it? Um, And a new tool we're about to overlay is called a culture index. I don't know if you've heard of a culture index, but it's another powerful tool that we're going to start having all of our VAs go through and our clients to see, is there an alignment there in terms of personality and profile? So there's so many great tools out there now that help yeah. you assess people that the old school of having an old gut feel and a three minute conversation <laughs> is like, yeah, I think they're going to be great. <laughs> right. There's just no reason to set yourself up for failure because we know the cost of turnover is it's epic. Massive. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, so I, I have never heard of culture index before. Is that, that is that great. a, yeah. To, where can you point us in the right direction for more of that or tell us a little bit more about what culture index is? Yeah, there's, um, and I, I got introduced actually through entrepreneurs organization through, through EO, um, and, uh, and kind of learned about it. There were some presenters and speakers and, um, a gentleman named Nathan I tower that works with us. And then another, uh, a guy named uh, Sumit that started working with that are these facilitators for it. But basically there's a, there's a bunch of different, um, uh, platforms out there. Um, there's Colby, there's disc profile and so forth. They'll have different yeah. philosophies on it. Yeah. And I think I liked about culture index. It's the assessment you take isn't choosing like a lot of the questions you do in those. It's like, well, choose which one of these is the best fit. Or are you more this or less that it basically, you go through and take an assessment that says, look at all these 65 adjectives and choose which ones align with your behavior. And then you do another one that says, which ones of these words align with whatever your job role is. And then it produces an outcome. And I won't do it justice in trying to explain it all, but it shows an outcome basically says, here's who you naturally are wired to be, and here's what your job requirements are, and let's see where the disconnect is. And there's different aspects of, there's like six or seven key aspects it's, it's evaluating on kind of who you are as an individual. Things that are programmed as early as 12 years old, which is kind wow. of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, nuts. And the companies, I started talking to a bunch of other companies that have been using it. And they said it's been unbelievable predictor of who's really? going to be a fit in our organization. Yeah, um, that, that is crazy. Now, and right. so yeah, Brad, people can hear you talking about this, and 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 a lot of us do have to hire quickly to gain quick capacity, right? Because mm-hmm. we got clients coming in, and we're like, we need more people. But I think a lot of times that's where we get in trouble, where we haven't done that upfront work to bring in teams methodically and slowly. And um, how do you, can you do all of these things fast? Like what, because you need capacity. Can you just, can you, well, well, you guys are doing fast. You're dumping 20 people in your company at a time. Like, yeah, I guess you just have managers just driving them through this battery of tests as quickly as possible. Well, it is like, He's like IQ test, emotional intelligence test. Kite, kite can't work here. It's a, (laughs) you're just, you're you're kicking them out. (laughs) Right. Well, it's at scale. I mean, in, in, you know, again, I, I, cause I quote this, you know, when I go back to good to great, the hedgehog concept is kind of yeah, one of the central yeah, things yeah. he talks about. What can yeah. you be 
know, that intersection of those three circles. Yep. And one of those is what can you be the best in the world at doing? And, yeah, right. and the key distinction that he shares in there, it's understanding what you can be the best in the world at doing. Not, not what you want to be, but what you truly can as an organization. Yeah, right. So many people miss the mark on that. And so for us, we can be the best in the world at matching people up and finding the right talent, matching yeah, yeah. them and getting them to a successful experience with us within 30 days or, or less is our goal. And so we go through several hundred candidates a month. You know, we use Facebook ads yeah. in the Philippines. We bring Ooh. people in. And with the great thing with these tests is they're all web-based. So people can go through them, okay. right? Go through and lets us see yeah. immediately, okay, because we've got data now. And for those that have been around for a while and, and, you know, and your listeners, you can go. And what we did is we had 30 of our staff kind of go through it and go see ones that were performing, kind of maybe not performing as well, see what yeah. their profiles were. Then we could benchmark and say, okay, this person, we clearly have three or four different categories that are a fit. And so then when we go to start rec recruiting, we can look for those same kind of um, you know, matches and we can do it at scale very quickly because people can go through it. And we don't even spend time on the interview process unless we can kind of make sure that they meet those initial criteria. Yeah. And, th and that's, yeah. The, that's the beauty. I think when we were doing personality tests or when we do those with our team, we start to see in different roles, they fall out into different parts. So you're talking about there are patterns that you can notice just through this battery of tests and you can go, okay, this is, this is not the profile that normally is successful here. And you'll kind of move on just from the testing up front, I guess. Is that right? Right. Yeah. And with culture indexers, like, um, and, and we're just kind of in the initial stages with it here, but seen the success of, of the testing of it. There's like 12 to 15 buckets. There's like a trailblazer. There's rainmaker. There's the architect. There's these buckets based on how they, they, they perform on this assessment um, that says, okay, we know that ultimately architects, we know trailblazers aren't going to be a fit. We know that yep. rainmakers aren't going to be a fit, right? Mm -hmm. Personality-wise, but we know that architects um, and technicians yeah. and people that meet these three or four categories yeah. will be in alignment. And then we assess the client side too. Let them take the assessment and figure out, okay, which one of these are going to be, you know, kind of a good, um, a good fit. Yeah, very cool. So, all right, so Brad, I got a. Maybe this is a hard question, but. Uh, a lot of our listeners are professional services firms, right? So they're providing services. And one thing that's difficult to do is keep track of capacity. So yeah. all of your team are working. They're doing some amount of work, right? And so uh, if you, a lot of our listeners are going to have members, team, 10 team members around 10 team members on an average. Uh, if you've got 245 people, you got to know how full their week is, in total, each person, how much work you can push to them, which yeah. projects get pushed to which, um, you know, assistant, how in the crap do you track capacity <laughs> for your team? That has got to be super complex. Well, for us, it's a, a little different in that we've got that many people, but it's distributed across, you know, like 185 or so clients. So okay. any one client, um, you know, has two to three, you know, VAs. Some have one, some have two to three. We have one that has 30 plus VAs with us okay. now. Wow. Um, and so with each of them, they're managing the workflow and capacity of their particular VA within you know, their business. So I see. Okay. So one of the tools we use to help track that is a tool called Time Doctor. Um, and it does uh, screenshots and kind of does timing assessments to kind of figure out so they can kind of keep track of the buckets of time that they're working on. Mm. So a time doctor can go in and create, you know, okay, what are the buckets of activity you're going to be doing for this client? And so they can track and say, okay, two hours I spent on marketing stuff, two hours spent on operation stuff, you know, two hours spent on bookkeeping stuff. Um, and that helps to 
constantly kind of take a look at. And so the clients will look at that with their VAs and, and audit and say, okay, where are you spending your time? Oh, you spent nine and a half hours on marketing this week. What in the world took that long? Well, I was going in and taking some classes on LinkedIn to learn how to do kind of LinkedIn automated connection, you know, or we provide the training for that for, you know, for our VAs. Um, so that's one of the tools that we, you know, that we use. And it's about having just an ongoing, consistent conversation about where are you and where are you kind of spending your time? And tra- as long as people are being truthful about sort of how they're spending their time, you know, and that's a key thing with the screenshots. You know, we prefer to kind of have a carrot versus a stick approach. So that's yeah. why we you have a good trust and respect kind of model among everybody. Um, but that's that's kind of how the, the main tools that, that we use of, of managing capacity and workflow you know, within our within our staff. And then a lot of it's forecasting, too. So us as a company, because mm-hmm. we're constantly bringing on new VAs and we're selling new clients every single day. Right. And we're bringing yeah. on 20 yeah. to 25 per month. Guys, yeah. we're constantly looking 90 days out with our HR team. So those level 10 meetings we have for EOS every Monday, mm-hmm. I got our yeah. director of HR, director of operations and sales there. We're discussing where are we, what's in the pipeline. And so sometimes a lot of it is just a good, and it's amazing to me how many companies still don't have that good cadence of a structured, agenda-driven, timed, yeah. disciplined meeting every week. Yeah. It doesn't go all over the place. And yeah. John gets to run his mouth for 48 minutes about his <laughs> one issue. But we keep a tight schedule so everybody's heard. We understand what the issues are. And then you know people can you know, backfill you know, accordingly. Hmm. Right. So, so, so with that, do you have – because you said that by and large – so if I'm one of your clients and I have a, a virtual assistant through your company, then, uh, then I'm managing my own virtual assistant um, – that I, that I have, do you, uh, it must, do you have problems where, where the, where your customer comes and says, Hey, my assistant is not a compliment, like it, it, where there's kind of a capacity, um, that like tension where their expectations is that this, uh, virtual assistant can do a whole lot more than what they feel like they're actually getting out of the virtual assistant. Is that a thing that happens to you? Because that would that would sort of compress down into just what we see with accounting firms that go virtual, where they're going, I've got this, I've got this staff accountant, and I think he can do more for me, and I'm not managing. How do how do you work with that? Just expectations and aligning yeah. those between the virtual assistant and your customer. Yeah. Well, again, kind of like I shared on sort of the recruiting process, is it's it's all about proper planning, right? Yeah. Um, so when a client comes on with us, we have a very intense discovery session to have them full do a brain dump. We want to understand mm-hmm. everything about them because with us, we only do full time. Okay. So they're getting to know um, their clients. We want to know their mission, their core values, what they're all about. So we have a full understanding. So they brain dump and say, okay, here's all the stuff. And we kind of look at it. And this is really important is two buckets that most people have that are constraints. One is what are things you're doing that aren't the best use of your time? And then the second is, what are things on the radar that you know could add value to the company that you can't get to either to time, money, or knowledge constraints? And I highly recommend any of, any of your listeners that are kind of doing this, and there's a, a, a template I'm happy to share with you guys on the show notes, a link to it, the Google Doc, that just asking key managers to answer those two questions. Say, look, what are you doing that's not a good use of your time? And what are things you know that could add value to the firm that you're not doing or we can't do to do time, money, or knowledge? Hmm. I've done this with hundreds of companies and people that have worked for people for eight or nine years. They come back and they are blown away. And they have a two to three hour meeting, look at that list, and it's unreal. Even if they never outsourced a thing just by going through you know, that kind of you know, exercise. So that's one of the things we do in that discovery process, have them kind of dump that out and then figure out, okay, well, here's a whole list of stuff. Then once you get a VA on board, then we say, okay, what are the top five to 10 things that can add the most value? Because we want to pay for ourselves nice. you know, in the first 36 right. days. We charge right, right. 1700 bucks a month for a full-time employee. 
Yeah. So for seventeen hundred bucks a month for a full time staff, it doesn't take too much to stumble across an ROI. Right. But it's about <laughs> it's about isolating, and, and so many business owners do not think through the lens of opportunity cost. Right. It's just okay. what is the highest value activities, especially for ones that want to be in the weeds that could spend four or five hours out of the weeds. Could they go close one or two more deals? And what's that worth in terms of client value? You know, to them. Yeah. So we have a very upfront conversation about what is all the stuff that you need to be doing. Let's prioritize that. Let's have a conversation around it. Let's prioritize your VA is doing those things first and kind of getting those dialed in. And then how do we dive into the rest of it? And to your point, it just comes back to communication. So every 60 days, our VA, the team leader, the manager of that VA and the client have a sync up call to say, okay, how are we doing? We've absorbed all of these tasks for you. What is the next layer that we can kind of absorb Mm. for you? And just having an ongoing communication. I mean, Anybody that's married knows that communication <laughs> or lack thereof yeah. is kind of the root of, of yeah. most failures of things. Yeah, sure. well, that, that's interesting, Greg. When we, when we were talking about our part, we were talking about the intensity of how we communicate in virtual places, right? The context of it, how we write emails, you know, how we communicate to team. And all of that becomes so, uh, so pivotal as to how you can be successful or fail. And so with, with the capacity of all these, uh, these virtual assistants that are working with your clients, that, that was one thing I was going to ask. You have team leaders that are helping them through their hurdles very quickly, or, or, or do they pass on to the sales team, hey, here's some more value we think we could carve out of this client and pull back into our VA. And so is all of that communication happening, like figuring out, where their capacity is hitting limits or where you could pull more in from the client. Like that's all being yeah. passed around to your company. Yeah. I mean, it's a constant communication that, that VA working with that client and getting assessment because, you know, when you take on a first set of functions, there's a learning curve of absorbing that and kind of getting it worked out. Then, then the time to do that drops down, then it creates more capacity for other things that they can do. And one of the cool things that we've done, I haven't seen any other company do um, and with outsourcing is, they not only get a VA, but then they ha- we have over 200 specialized people supporting that VA. So let's say that a client's got some great video testimonial footage. They'd love to get up on their website, but they haven't ever done it because they think it's mm. going to cost them three grand to get it done. Yeah. Well, we have three video editors on our team. So the VA that's working with them, and they're doing a lot of the work directly. But if the client ever asks for something that's outside of their specific skill set, that's a, mm. like a video editing, they just lean on our specialized talent manager. And they say, hey, I, my client needs somebody to do video editing. Then the VA will manage the project. So the client only has one point of contact. But then they'll go tap that person to go get video editing done or website development or data scraping or LinkedIn or graphic design. You know, if there's something that's specific skill set that a VA would need, like Adobe Photoshop. Yeah. The VA may be doing a lot of work that's operations, marketing intensive, but they're not an expert in Adobe. So you can lean on that. So in terms of planning capacity, we're able to flex out as we're moving forward with them of things um, even like, you know, bookkeeping, QuickBooks kind of stuff. Yeah. We have a lot of financial yeah. services firms. One of our largest clients is in that space. And so we actually have a, a certified QuickBooks expert on our team. But anytime a client wants us to step in to start doing that kind of work, then um, they go to our QuickBooks team. We get somebody kind of trained up, goes through a boot camp and kind of brings them in. So it's it's constantly having your ear to the ground and listening yeah. and then flexing to support that need. Yeah. So cool. Well, Brad, this we're out of time. This is like we probably can talk to you forever. This is such good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, so people, I mean, Brad, I think you you have places where you do a lot of speaking too. Like where should people go to read some things you've written or to watch some videos? Like what's the best place for them to find you? 
Yeah, just our website. I mean, we we try and do a good job of uh, you know <laughs> practicing what we preach as far as our presence. If you just go to outsourceaccess.com, um, if you go to outsourceaccess.com forward slash um, process, mm-hmm. or if you go to our website and click on get a virtual assistant, um, I made a video. And honestly, this is one of the things I share when I speak. One of the best things I ever did for our sales process is I recorded a video of me kind of walking through all of our process. I take them through a footage behind the scenes in the Philippines, show them what it's all like. Nice. Um, so if they go and watch that video, it kind of will uh, get them fully in tune about kind of what we do and what we're about. And on our site too, we'll have kind of where my next speaking and engagement. And if anybody wants to send an email, basically for things I do like this, if they send an email to tools at outsourceaccess.com, okay. and they just put Thrive Podcast in the subject line. They don't need to write a message or how great this podcast episode was. <laughs> just tools at outsource access, but Thrive Podcast in the subject line. Um, as you can imagine, I have a VA that gets those and happy to send a link to a whole bunch of resources, over 200 productivity tools, recordings and things that I'm uh, happy to share. That's very cool. All right, listeners. So get your, get your, com- get your computers out account. <laughs> right. yeah, there you go. To- tools at outsourceaccess.com. Very cool. Well, Brad, thanks so much for teaching all this stuff well, about, about how virtual works, man. Absolutely. And I, one just a parting question. When's the last time that you ate at the Vortex, and what's your favorite burger there? <laughs> uh, this is an indoor eating. question, right? Indoor eating. What a fun concept. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> right. That's true. Oh. I didn't even think about that. You haven't. Are you trying you to catch me there? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. I was trying to out you as being a, a super spreader. So. Oh, man. Now I, been, I, it's been a while. It's actually a buddy of of mine. that's an EO owns the uh, the Net Laughing Skull Lounge. That's connected oh, to it. They market yeah, yeah. Childs. I've, uh, I've I've done shows there. I performed at the Laughing. Oh yes, yeah. so you maybe know Marshall. Marshall Childs, yeah. awesome, yeah, yeah. awesome yep. guy. I met him. Yep. Oh, listen, this is crazy. What yeah. a small world, people. Yeah. The, well, cool. Uh, the, uh, you, the the correct answer was the carnivore gasm is the best burger <laughs> from the vortex. So that's, I was trying that's to what, remember. I know it had like eighty two slices of bacon on it. Whenever I ate their last, oh my god! I was trying to remember the name of it. It's so good, and their tater tots. Anyways, that has a lot to do with everything we've talked about. So that's, that does. So so Brad, thank you for the advice on tater tots. So no, Greg, that was your advice on tater tots. <laughs> yeah, exactly, so. exactly. Very cool. All right, Brad, thanks so much for being with us on the Thrivecast. We appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Right on. We want to thank our sponsor, Dex, with Receipt Bank. Before implementing Dex within our firm, team members often did bookkeeping their own way because processes weren't standardized. As a 100% virtual firm, it's crucial for us to maximize efficiency, especially in data collection and reporting. Dex gives our clients a user-friendly, simple, and intuitive way of sending us paperwork in real time, allowing our team to have the most precise data available when providing advisory. Learn more about DEX with Receipt Bank and how Blummer CPAs uses DEX as our document gateway at dext.com. Okay, that was awesome. We know all about virtual communication. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. how to how to how to leverage that stuff, how to make it work, how to do your culture. I thought all that stuff was was great that Brad so good. Uh, hit on for us. Um, and r- really cool. We are going to put some links in the show notes to some of the tools that Brad was talking yes. about in the interview. So if you're interested in, in some of those things, it's not, I mean, it's not rocket science stuff, but it's there. So go check that out. Good stuff. And that's, yeah. I'm, I'm look. I'm, I want to go figure out all the stuff, the crap that I do that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. So dude, you need a, 
You I, need to hire him for a virtual I, I, assistant. Shut up. I totally might. That would be There's so a, cool if you did I, that. I totally might. Um, but uh, anyways, guys, thank you for coming in to the, the Thrivecast for joining us again for another month of this, of this, uh, of this, the, the joy, circus, the sheer circus joy. <laughs> <laughs> and we want to remind you guys that the Thrival incubator is there to help you push through, you know, some growth growth hurdles you guys run into. He, you know, Brad had some great topics and tips about things that we even touch on some of that uh, in the incubator. So that was yep. good stuff. So hit exactly. thrival.com slash incubator to check yep. out our sessions in May and July. Exactly. And if you're not part of the Thrival community, we'd love for you to join uh, to join us in the Thrival community. And if you're, I mean, again, it's an awesome place to learn a lot from other people who are in the yeah. same position you are. Yeah. If, if you need to, if you're having difficulties with your new firm, with the environment, with being virtual, there's people out there who've done, who are in the exact same space, people who are a little bit ahead of you, people who are a little bit behind you, who can yeah. learn from you. So come on in and, and be part of that support. Uh, find the support that you need in this weird disconnected time to be able to run your firm uh, and to get the support you need to, to keep the energy you need to act, to, to effectively run your virtual firm. Yes. And Greg, how do people find you online, man? Uh, a cool way to, to find me online is go to uh, Greg Kite. Anything, any platform Anything. is just at Greg Kite. Is there, I've started, actually, funny thing, I've started, uh, I've re-upped my, uh, my, my efforts with my cartoons. I'm, uh, oh, come on. Yeah, so so link. I'm trying to do two, three times a week, uh, dropping a cartoon on the LinkedIn and on the Twitter. So in both of those, you can find me. So <laughs> see, yeah. people missed your cartoons. There you go. We're we're we're, we're redeploying them. So demand for been, it was high. Been pretty fun. So yeah. Okay. So what about what about you? Where can people get a hold yeah. of you? Yeah, you can find Thrival CPAs on Twitter. You can search Jason M. Blummer on Twitter. JasonBlummer.com. Or, you know, travel.com or blummercph.com. Come on, bring it, people. Right. I, I launched a website called jblums.org that has uh, old pictures of you when you Ooh, were banned. Yum, so yummy. check that out, too. Check that out, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us for The Circus, as we now call this podcast. <laughs> That's it. Yep. And we'll, we'll bring all three rings back again next month. So okay. we will see you then. Bye-bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.